Hi friends, welcome to Growing as Grown Ups, where we believe each of us has the opportunity to keep growing in ways that can fundamentally improve our life effectiveness, our leadership influence, and our well-being. Through interviews, stories, and practical principles, we explore how you can accelerate your growth and unlock your potential to make the difference you want to make. And now, your hosts from The Leaders Lyceum, Dr. Sarah Musgrove and Dr. Keith Eigel. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Growing as Grownups podcast. I am so excited for our audience today. Um, uh, Sarah, you interviewed Ryan Godfrinson, and I'll let you tell the audience a little bit more about him in just a moment. Um, There are two things. I've said this before, but every time I listen to you interview somebody, Uh, I feel more insecure about being on this podcast than I did before. You are just so good at it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I know you don't even react to that because there's no good way to react to that, except for maybe thank you or something. But um, thank you. Hey, I have. We've interviewed some great people on this podcast, right? Some Some of my favorite people in the world that are leaders agreed to be on this during our first year. Um, I have to tell you, today's interview, I have never been more encouraged, more optimistic, um, more excited about the work that we've been doing for 20 years and hmm. seeing that trans and seeing that transfer to the next generation. And wow. um I, I know, I know. I didn't want to tell you this before the podcast started because I wanted your reaction live to <laughs> how strongly I feel about this. You know, I turned 59 last week, which means that I am now ticking away the days of my 60th year and my sixth decade of life. And I think there's a little bit of sort of looking back, what kind of difference have you made? Where are things going? How are things going to change? Because they, they will change and we'll learn more stuff. Um, the approach that Ryan is taking to the work that he is doing as an extension of, I would say, even Keegan and Piaget, right? But certainly through the work that we did and the research that we've done in terms of leadership and organizational effectiveness, um, Ryan's the real deal. And I am so pumped for our audience just to hear some of the ways that he's expressing what we have expressed in our ways. And it's so easy to get locked into your own ways of talking mm-hmm. about it, right? You get good at it and you're and, it, and it's easy. But this, you know, we've we've thought through some things that he's gonna bring up. We've never integrated it fully into our conversation, but the alignment plus the addition now of sort of um this generation of researchers that are understanding and bringing neuroscience to what we're doing in, in a new way and really understanding brain activity. Um, so, so exciting for me. And, and what a great, you guys talk about geeking out a little bit on the episode. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I was geeking out. I mean, it was so hopefully the audience will enjoy the geeking out as much as I did. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it's appropriate. Tell tell the folks a little bit about Ryan and his credentials and what he's doing. He's an exciting young player in this field. But 
making huge strides in publications and research and all that kind of stuff. Go ahead and tell them a little bit about it, and then we can just sort of jump into the interview, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. So I met Ryan about two weeks ago, not that long, at a conference we were both speaking at, and we didn't even get to meet because it was virtual. We just crossed crossed paths on the agenda, and when I saw that he was talking about vertical development, I jumped into his session and listened and he is just bringing a really cool perspective to it, but he is a um, PhD psychologist. He got his degree in organizational behavior, and he is doing teaching, research, consulting, all those different things with organizations across the world, and he really brings um, a different perspective to vertical development in the neuroscience background and his work on mindsets and making that the avenue through which he is developing people vertically. He is a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author of the book, Success Mindsets, the key to unlocking greater success in your life, work, and leadership. Um, and so we talk about that book. I um, have it in my Amazon cart to order. And um, he does all that while teaching um, at the College of Business and Economics at California State University, Fullerton. So he is a busy man. He is passionate about the same things that we are, which is always exciting. And just to give our listeners kind of a heads up that this, this, this episode and the, the few that are going to be coming after it are slightly going to be different in tone and intent because it really is more of us coming at um, these conversations from this theoretical psychological foundation that underpins all the work that we do and all the conversations that we've had up to this point on the podcast, talking about how it is that we grow people vertically. And that's really our passion. That's our niche. That's what we do. And we don't always make it over. You and I did a podcast earlier in the year, kind of going through um, the model of leader levels that we use, but we really want to unpack that a little bit more for the people who love the science and the theory and the psychology behind it. So it's gonna be a little bit more kind of educational and academic. Um, and we've got a couple of guests lined up and just to tease our audience, Keith, we I asked you in episode one, what your kind of bucket list guests are. And let's just say we might have some of your bucket list guests coming up on the yeah. podcast. So I know. leave it at that. Leave it at that. <laughs> Either it's until until they until are on the recorder. I don't want to say, but I I'm super I pumped about that. All right. So with that, let's get into my conversation with Ryan Godfordson, where we geek out about vertical development. Ryan Godfordson, welcome to the Growing is Grownos podcast. I'm so excited to meet you and have you on our podcast to share your story with our listeners. So welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate you reaching out. I've been looking forward to chatting. Yeah, it's always fun when we get to find colleagues in this industry who share our same passions and beliefs and foundations. And as you know, and, and we'll probably talk about the leadership development space covers so many different approaches to leadership, so many different beliefs. And so when I first came across your work and found another vertical development person, I got really excited. So we will definitely get into that. That's why I wanted to have you on because I feel like vertical development is something that sometimes is hard to explain to people. I'm guessing you have found that out and yep. Keith and I have done our part to explain it to our audience, but I thought having another voice put it in, the, in different words might really help seal the deal. So before we get to that, um, tell me and our listeners just a little bit about 
kind of who you are and how you even got into the space of leadership development and particularly with this vertical development uh, framework. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm excited to geek out here on vertical development. <laughs> so um, I guess let me start. I did my PhD at Indiana University in organizational behavior and human resources. So I, there's a reason why I went into that, and that's another backstory. But I did my dissertation on leadership, and it was great because it allowed me to review the last 70 years of leadership research. Mm. And what I observed is that there's really one primary question that leadership researchers have been trying to answer over the last 70 years. And that question is, what do leaders need to do to be effective? And this has produced some really good answers. We've got some really good information. But to me, it, it just didn't sit well because it, it feels short-sighted to me. Because mm. I, I imagine you're the same as me, Sarah, that you think that leadership isn't just about doing the right things. It's no. about being a certain type of person, being somebody that others want to follow. And so since my dissertation, I've been on this journey to try to figure out how do we tap into the being side of leadership. And at the time, I didn't know anything about vertical development. I first started to focus on motives. What are the motives of leaders? And that led me into focusing on the on mindsets. So uh, mindsets being our mental lenses that we wear that shape how we view the world around us. And there's quite a bit of academic research across management, marketing, uh, psychology, and education that dive into mindsets. And what I've done is I've created what I think is the most comprehensive and research-backed mindset framework to date. And I've written a book on it called Success Mindsets. Um, and and I did all of this also still without knowing about vertical development. And mm. at the time I'm doing this research, I'm consulting with companies and I'm saying, I want to come in and help your leaders work on their mindsets. And they're like, come again. What, like, <laughs> what are mindsets and why are they important? And, and, and what I, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I guess I stumbled across, across vertical development and I'm, mm. oh my goodness, like everything that I've been doing about mindsets has really been a vertical development approach to developing leaders. And so now when I work with organizations, I don't lead with, I can help your leaders with their mindsets. I say, I can help your leaders vertically develop. And then they say, immediately their ears kind of point up and like, oh, uh, that sounds great, but what is that? And then we have to <laughs> jump into a little bit what it is, but it's an excited jumping in. Uh, to get yeah. into it. And so my, my focus on vertical development is um, helping people vertically develop. And I do that primarily through a focus on mindsets. And I'm sure we'll get into all of that as we go along. So tell us in your words, then what is vertical development? You know, uh, yeah, so I'm going to give I'm going to answer it a couple different levels, really okay. simple. So of course, there, there's a difference between horizontal development and there's vertical development. To me, horizontal development is tooling up. Vertical development is leveling up. And um, the way more formal definition of horizontal development would be adding new knowledge, skills, and competencies to what we have. And the focus of horizontal development is to help us to be able to do more, right? That's mm -hmm. the focus of most yeah. leadership research is on doing. And this is, it's like adding an app onto an iPad. What that does is it, it broadens that iPad's functionality. The iPad can now do more things than what it could do previously. And that's good. So horizontal development is good, but it's got a limitation. 
And the limitation is that it doesn't necessarily improve how effectively that iPad operates. It doesn't speed up. It isn't able to, um, it doesn't improve its memory so it can navigate mm -hmm. and do more complex things. And that's really where vertical development comes in. So I define vertical development as elevating our ability to make meaning of our world in more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated ways. So the focus isn't on doing more, it's on being better and it's upgrading our iPads operating system. Um, so let me pause there. The definition is a mouthful and I do wanna unpack it um, here and I'll, we can do it with a quick example, but let me pause and see if you want to add anything to any of that. No, I love it. And it's it's really in line. The only thing I would say for our listeners who have heard us talking about this, we use the word lateral instead of horizontal, but they're the same thing, right? They come out of the same the same word, just in case our people were like, wait, I haven't heard about that one yet. Yeah, same thing. No, um, and I think, Ryan, I'm not going to accuse you of this, but I think maybe you stumbled across a blog post that I wrote back in like 2013 that explained the the difference of lateral and vertical is updating an operating system. Um, but because that's the I only way so. I've been able I'm to. I'm sorry if I didn't it. give you credit if I did. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, my our blog was like so hidden and nobody read it, but maybe we were both inspired by the same thing. But I think that's such a great picture because I always talk about there's leadership development training programs that teach things like conflict management right? Which I can teach somebody the five steps of having difficult conversations and resolving conflicts. But if your motive is still to win, you're not going to be able to handle that conflict well. But if we can update that operating system to be looking out for the greater good, then those five steps are going to be meaningful. And so yeah. um, I just think that's a great, a great way to explain it. Yeah, let me even just, just build on that to play off of that iPad analogy is sometimes, and particularly when we're in organizations, they'll have us go to development programs. And the way they see it is like, I want to help you deliver feedback more effectively. So we're going to take you to the feedback delivery workshop. We've got our flash drive of information. We just want to <laughs> download it in you, and then you should be good to go. You're going to be able to, to get yep. feedback more effectively moving forward. But that's not the case, right? Because yeah. for some people that will be the case, provided that their internal operating system is compatible with that app that they're trying to download. Yeah. But the problem is, is oftentimes the apps that we're trying to download, we're trying to download it on out-of-date iPads where their operating system is not up-to-date enough to even yep. use those, those apps. And so that's part of what's yeah. going on there. Yep. And then it's clunky and ineffective and inauthentic and all those things. Yeah. So tell me from your perspective, then kind of this idea of cognitively and cognitively and emotionally sophisticated. Are those the two categories? Um, we talk about it in terms of maturity, but I love the specific specificity of those two um, kind of categories. There's a better word for it than that, but what is it about the emotion and the cognitive sophistication that you think plays into the ability to have this more mature, more sophisticated, more effective view of the world? Yeah, really good question. Let me maybe give you an example that we could run with a little bit. So Perfect. let's take the example of receiving constructive criticism. Mm. Um, how would you say most people respond to constructive criticism? very defensively, very yeah. afraid of it. Yeah. 
So they, they, they get defensive. And why is that? It's because, and I'm going to go back to our definition of vertical development, making meaning of our world in cognitively and emotionally sophisticated ways. So the way that they're making meaning of constructive criticism is that this is an attack. And if I make meaning of this as an attack, of course, I'm going to get defensive. That is incredibly justifiable. That is, makes logical sense. Yeah. But then we could ask ourselves the question, is it cognitively and emotionally sophisticated? Well, it makes sense. I'm not sure it's very sophisticated, <laughs> right? Yeah. So the next level up might be, well, it depends on who delivers it and how they deliver it. Well, that feels a little bit more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated. But somebody who's really vertically developed, they'll make meaning of it as this is a great opportunity for me to learn and grow. And I'm going to embrace it. In fact, we get to the cognitive and emotional state in our mind where we can be good with being told that we are bad. Mm. And it's just <laughs> not easy to get there. And, and really what we're talking about, in, and to me, this is the beautiful aspect of vertical development is because what we are doing is when we vertically develop is we are healing our mind hmm. at a neurological level um, because we've got different regions of the brain. We've got our reptilian and our mammalian and our human brains. And when we are not vertically developed, these regions don't work very well together. The reptilian and the mammalian brains operate on overdrive. They're really sensitive to threats and to danger. And our human brain can't step in and regulate them. And the human brain is the cognitive, mm. the reptilian and the mammalian brains are the emotion. And so what we need to do is we need to allow them to work effectively together. And that gets us to this cognitive and emotional sophistication where we could properly sit in a conversation where people are telling us that we are bad without the knee jerk reaction of getting defensive, that we could actually sit with this and ask ourselves, is there something about this that can allow me to become a better person? And that's just a really vertically developed place to get to. And it's, it's pretty rare to see, but when we can get there, that's where magic happens. Man, I love the, the way that you've kind of separated the, the different elements of the brain, almost kind of this neuroscience approach to it, that it's, it's bringing these different functions of our brain to work together in more sophisticated ways. And I think it makes a lot of sense an activity that we do with our clients a lot. And one of the resources we have on our website, the growth gap tool, part of what we look at in terms of what is holding us back from our growth are these kind of subconscious fears that we have. Yeah. And yep. we do things without even recognizing that we're doing them to protect ourselves. And so at different levels of your development, those fears change, right? Sometimes it's fears yep. of not being liked or fears of not winning and then sometimes it's fear of not making the contribution or not making the difference that I want to make and they, they grow, but connecting that to kind of the reptilian kind of animal side of our brain, I think is a really interesting way to, to look at that. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's been, honestly, it's been so fascinating to dive into. It's really been the focus of my research over the last year is to get into the neuroscience behind it. And, and really, in fact, let me show you one of the books that I've really enjoyed. I've got it right next to me because I reference it so often. It's called The Body Keeps the Score. It's by I've Bessel heard of this. And it's, it's unreal. And, and because you can ask the question, what, what leads to people being not very cognitively and emotionally sophisticated or overly self-protective? That's preventing them from being more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated. And at the end of the day, it really comes back to trauma. 
and, and trauma's impact on our neurological or our stress response system. That when trauma occurs to us, there's actually a breakdown in these neural connections in our mind, between our mind and our body, and also between these three major brain regions. And so when we see, when, when our reptilian and our mammalian brains are operating on overdrive, and our human brain isn't able to step in and regulate it effectively, that's what psychologists call disintegration. And, and if you were to work with a therapist who knew what they were doing, the job of every therapist is to help people integrate their mind, to get these different brain regions to work more effectively so that they have a broader window of tolerance. So they aren't misencoding the situations that they're in. They're not seeing somebody saying something about me wearing a green shirt or now I'm, I guess I'm wearing a gray shirt and interpreting in that as though that's an attack, right? And we probably all know people who are like that. It's like, no matter what you say to them, they're getting triggered, yeah. Yeah. right? And it, and it all comes back to past trauma. And that's where, for me, uh, this is so beautiful is vertical development is helping people heal. At, at a very foundational level. So from, for some people, some very big things and we're helping them to be able to navigate the complex world around them, right? The healthier our mind is, the more effectively we can navigate the complexity around us. Wow, that's beautiful. That's a really, that puts a whole new uh, motivation behind the work that we do that it's, it's healing their brain and helping them be able to process that stuff. So you mentioned earlier your book, for those watching, it is over your shoulder right there, yep. which is awesome. Good product placement. <laughs> so I would love for you to walk us through um, the four mindsets that you have kind of identified and pulled out as these are the things that are connected to vertical development. And if we want to work on growing our vertical development, enhancing our sophistication so that we can make meaning of the world in more complex ways you've pinpointed four different mindsets that we can look at. So uh, yeah. I know you've got a whole book that covers this topic, but if you could give us kind of the, the highlight version of it and, and some of the big takeaways that you think are important from that, I'd love to introduce that framework to our listeners. Yeah, thank you. That'd be great. I mean, even let's, I'll, I'll back up just slightly and, yeah. and bridge into mindsets here. So when we define vertical development as our ability to make meaning of our world, in more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated ways. The key phrase of this definition is make meaning, right? We've got to elevate how we make meaning. Well, what are our meaning makers? Our meaning makers are our mindsets. And, and so that's one perspective. But if we go back to this trauma perspective and healing the mind is that there's two general approaches that therapists will take to help people heal their minds. There are bottom up approaches where you start in your body, you move up into the reptilian and mammalian or the subconscious parts of your mind, and then you make these things conscious. So you're moving from the bottom up, you're reestablishing a healthy connection between your mind and body. So that's one approach that therapists will take. Another approach that therapists take, and, and this is the approach that I take, you don't need to be a therapist to take this approach, but is a top-down approach where we start with our cognitions, our human brain, we jump down into our subconscious brains, and then if we need to, down into our bodies. And what we're doing here is we're creating that integration that's occurring. And so when it comes to mindsets, 
what we're doing is we're starting with our cognition and we're diving into ourselves and, and we're introspecting at a level most people haven't introspected before because our mindsets, we all have mindsets, but most people don't know what mindsets they have. They operate in a non-conscious level. And so with my framework, what I do is I help people to become conscious of their previously unconscious mindsets. And when we become conscious of them, then we could do something about it, right? We can gauge, oh, do I have a negative mindset or more of a positive mindset? Or am I somewhere in the middle? And regardless, where do I need to go to move forward? Where do I need to go to vertically develop? And so it gives us, with the four sets of mindsets, four different angles that we could take to figure out how they can improve uh, or elevate vertically. And I've got a mindset assessment. If anybody wants to take it, my website, ryangoffertson.com. And it'll give you a sense of where you stand relative to 20,000 people who have taken the assessment. Um, so I usually use that uh, as part of, part of the process. But that's, that's kind of the backing and the connection between vertical development and mindsets. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's great. And I did take your assessment and I'm like, ooh, maybe I should just use my time with Ryan to get a little uh, coaching on how to improve some of my mindset. Well, if, we, if, if you've got some work to do on your mindsets, welcome to the club. Uh, I've had <laughs> a lot of work myself, uh, still working on it. So it's all good. In fact, only four, well, I found only 2.5% of all people who have taken my mindset assessment are in the top quartile for all four sets of mindsets. So if, if you've got some mindset work to do. Oh, good. I'm in normal. the top and only one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So uh, to introduce the framework, I, I think one of the ways that I like to do this quickly is what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, Sarah, not, not too okay. bad, but okay. I'm going to give you four desires and I want you to tell me whether or not society says these are good or bad desires. Is that okay? okay. Society says not. Okay. Ready. Yep. Okay. The desires are a desire to look good, be right, avoid problems and get ahead. Yeah. I feel like that's so always supposed to be working on. And um, are, are you, a, I should have asked you this before we started. Are you a parent? I'm a step-parent. A step-parent. Okay. With your stepkids, I've got a couple of kids, is uh, there's this idea also that do you want them to look good, be right, avoid problems, and get ahead, right? There's I do. I do. I want them to be kind. Does that fit in one of the categories? That's what we're working on right now. Yeah. So I think that there's some social pressure here for us to look good and be right, avoid problems, and get ahead. And it's justifiable because who likes to look bad, be wrong, um, have problems, and get passed up, right? Nobody likes to look bad, be wrong, have problems, fun. and get passed up, right? But when, so when we have these desires, looking good, being right, avoiding problems, and getting ahead, where is our focus? On ourselves on ourselves. And these, these desires are fueled by the four negative mindsets. They're fixed, closed, prevention, and inward. And they're completely justifiable mindsets because of course we don't like to look bad, be wrong, have problems and get passed up. But when we are driven by these negative mindsets, we're really driven by fears as you uh, yeah. were kind of talking earlier. And we are in self-protection mode. And I think for most of my adult life, I found myself here. And, and I think I was here partly, partly because of past trauma, but also partly because I didn't know that there was better desires to have. 
So let me walk you through the more positive desires. So the more positive desires are to learn and grow, to find truth and think optimally, to reach goals, and to lift others. Mm, and these like are a better fueled, world to live in. Yeah. So, and these are fueled by the positive mindsets, growth, open promotion and outward, but it's, it's not easy to get here because let's just take the difference between fixed and growth, right? So fixed mindset is we're focused on looking good and avoiding failure because to us, failure means that we are a failure. And so if we, if we want to have a growth mindset, what we've got, we've got to be in the mental place, the co cognitively and emotionally sophisticated place where we are okay with failing. And we are okay with looking bad because we recognize that failure may be the best opportunity for us to learn and grow, yeah. right? So we've just got to be okay with failing. If we go with closed and open, if we want to be able to find truth and think optimally, we've got to be okay admitting that we're wrong at times. If we go with prevention and promotion, if we want to be able to reach goals, we've got to be okay wading through problems. Because in our journey of getting where we are to wherever our goals are, we've never been there before. We're surely going to have problems. We've got to be okay yeah. with that. And if we want to lift others, we've got to be okay with at times putting ourselves in the back burner. And it's just not easy to get there because we have some self-protective desires, yeah. which are usually rooted in some form of past trauma that causes our reptilian and our mammalian brains to work on overdrive and our human brain can't step in and regulate it the way that we would like to. Um, and Tell so me. really vertical development is helping people shift from these negative mindsets and their associative desires to the positive mindsets and associated desires. And it just takes cognitive and emotional sophistication. There's so many things I, I'm with you. I'm like, I want to geek out on this. And like <laughs> our listeners are like, wait, we got two psychologists like going deep on this stuff. But two things come to mind. And one of them is a blog post that you wrote that I read recently. Um, and I don't remember the title of it. I'll find it and link it in our on our website. But it was something about how vertical development is necessary to help heal the world. That sound familiar to you? Yep, yep. Um, and it's something I've just become so much more aware of and passionate in the last year, even with how divided our country is, right? With politics and racial tensions and uh, views on the pandemic and everything. It's like, we are so fractured. And the only way for us to come together is to have I mean, if nothing else, the open mind of, let me just see what I can, how did you say it? Find the truth and think optimally. Is that yeah? like, if I'm, if I'm more concerned about finding the truth, I want to hear your perspective and I'm not threatened that your truth might be different than what I think is the truth, but yeah. it, it's like the only thing people feel like they get to control right now is what I believe. And so it's, it's one more thing that could feel disorienting to people. Mm -hmm. Um, so I love that you kind of put that out there and gosh, we've just got to do something different if we want this world to be kinder, <laughs> right? Yeah. So can I give you a personal example? Uh, yeah, please. Um, for me, this understanding, um, I'm going to call it a trauma informed mindset. So being trauma informed has literally changed my life. Um, 
for for ex the exact reason that you just said. And and let me share an ex just what the difference has been. So for most of my adult life, I live in Southern California. Half of the United States homeless population is in California. So what that means for me is it's pretty rare for me to drive somewhere and not see somebody standing on the street corner asking for assistance. And, and I'm ashamed to admit this, but I'm also, I think I'm grown up enough to admit this, that for most of my life, I, I would see them as not doing the best that they could. Right? And when we see people as not doing the best that we can, they can, it's really easy to become critical of them. Right? So when I would see people asking for assistance, I would think, what the hell are you doing standing on the street corner asking me for my hard-earned money and you're just standing there? Maybe do something more productive with your life or your time. Like, go get a job. Right? That was my mentality. And I don't think I'm too unique in that way. No. Um, but then I, I read a book. Uh, are you a Brene Brown fan, Sarah? Yeah, love her. All right. So I read her book, Daring Greatly. What, no, Rising Strong. It was Rising Strong, uh, which I actually, out of her books, is the one I like the least. But there's one chapter in there that I like the most out of all of her chapters because it was so life-changing for me because yeah. she invited me to ask, to kind of see others as doing the best that they can. And so the next time I pulled up to the street corner and there's this homeless person standing there, um, I was inclined to see them, right? This is my mindset as though they're not doing the best they can. But then I forced myself to say, okay, they're, they're doing their best I can. Like, and then that led me to ask another question, which was, okay, if they're doing the best that they can, what in the world has happened in their life that mm -hmm. has led them to believe that this is the best way to live? Uh. And I had never felt the feelings that I felt then. Like, honestly, like my heart dropped because normally I, as you can tell, I wasn't the most empathetic person. And by asking this question, I shifted from being critical to being empathetic and compassionate. That, I, and it made me, I sat there and I wondered if I have lived through what they have lived through, I would probably be in that exact same spot. And, and it's led, so I've tried my best to see others now as doing the best that they can. And now knowing more fully about this connection between trauma and how we operate in our world is now when people do dumb stuff, rather than get critical of them, it may, I always have to sit back and wonder what in the world has happened in their life. Yeah. Right. And it makes me want to step closer to them mm -hmm. as opposed to step away from them. And, and I think that that's uh, to me, you use the word kindness. Right. Uh, and for me, it's all, that word and compassion and empathy. And by understanding this, it, it's changed my mindset on how I see others and how I value others. And that's that's really this outward mindset in my framework. But that's that's the power that I think vertical development has on, and we need that, I think, in order to heal the world. We need everybody to see others through this lens of compassion and empathy as opposed to criticism. So you inadvertently just touched on my other big passion in my work, which is curiosity and empathy and how curiosity is what fuels empathy and compassion. And when we can pause and ask the question, I wonder what, I wonder why, I wonder how this person ended up here. 
all of a sudden it can change everything. Right. And so, yeah, I love that. There is one thing I want to make sure to ask you about before we run out of time. And, and you've talked about trauma a couple of times and how that plays a big role in your work. And when I hear trauma, I think of big, nasty things that have happened in someone's past. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, if I, and I know that that's not the way you're defining it just because of the way you're using it, but yeah. with that, it could be like, well, since I was never abused or I never saw a tragedy or anything like that, then I don't have any barrier in my vertical development. So I should be great. Right. But then I yeah. look at my life and, you know, I, I, some of the things I scored low on your assessment, I, my audience knows this, I tend to have a perfectionistic bent of always wanting to kind of have things together, which I'm sure is from like some micro traumas that went through my childhood. Yeah. So yeah. all that said, how is it that you define trauma in the role that it plays or how, how do people without the big obvious traumas look back and identify, or do we need to identify the things that maybe are getting in our way? Yeah, I think it's helpful. So to define trauma, we need to understand that our body has a stress response system, right? And it's built in, it's designed to protect us. Um, and it usually does in, in a rather healthy way. But our stress response system has a capacity. It can only take on so much stress and absorb it in a healthy way. So trauma is not anything that occurs to us. It is our body's response to the situations that we encounter. So when, our, when we experience situations where the stress of those situations exceeds our body's capacity to deal with them, then our body has to go through rather drastic measures to protect ourselves. And these drastic measures are neurological and they are predictable. Our mind will disconnect from our body. It's called disassociation. Um, as a way, numbing is the classic way that we talk about this. And, and while that occurs in the moment to protect us, that disconnection lingers after the trauma um, until it's healed. Another one we've already talked about is disintegration. There's a breaking down in, in the mind that makes us more sensitive to threats and we're not able to regulate it. This makes us, uh, causes us to misencode situations and it shrinks our window of tolerance. So mm -hmm. this is, that's what trauma, that's what, that's the effects of trauma. Now, like for example, if a house burns down, that could be really traumatic for a child who has lived in that house. But it is probably not traumatic for a firefighter, right? They don't have the emotional connections. They've also developed the skills and, and abilities to be able to handle that rather well. So it's not what occurs to us. It's simply our body's reaction to the things that occur to us, particularly when the stress exceeds our body's capacity. So that's the definition of trauma that, that I like best. Does that make sense? It does. It makes a lot of sense. And um I mentioned this to you before we hit record, but also our listeners hopefully are familiar with this. We use this formula for growth and um, I don't have a printed copy of it here, but if you think about a fraction, challenge and contradiction over time. So essentially the challenge and contradiction are things that I think you would put in that stress category, something that triggers yep. us that yep. is stressful, challenge and contradiction over time, times perseverance. And I think what you're saying is, when the challenge and contradiction are so big that no matter how much time we have to process it, we can't, that zeroes out our perseverance because our body just either 
disassociates or disintegrates and says, I can't, I'm done. Yep. We're not going to grow unless we come back and figure out how to push through it. And so, you know, I think about as a child, like little things that today would be no big deal would have stressed me out. I mean, I ended yeah. up in the hospital in third grade because I was so stressed out about school because I had this perfectionistic mindset, right? My body couldn't handle it and it shut down in third grade. That now today I have better coping mechanisms. I have ways to, to make sense of it, right? To make yeah. meaning of it and to persevere. That that's why we really work with our clients and our, our audience to figure out how to take smaller stressors, smaller challenges, and use yep. those to develop yep. so that when the big things hit, we have those resources and those mindsets to make sense of it in a, in a new way. Does that seem to fit with, with the way you think about it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, I'm not saying this is you, but if I was to play the role of trying to connect the dots as a therapist, um, is if I'm a perfectionist, probably where that comes from is maybe I had a parental figure or somebody that I respected that showed me love when I did well and didn't show me love when I didn't do well. And, and so what that means for me as a child is we, this is not a big T trauma, right? It's not a big event like our house burning down or, or some form of abuse, but it's a small T trauma in that we may never know what parents we're getting, right? It is uncontrollable and unpredictable, the love that I'm receiving from a, a caregiver. And, and that, when we are exposed to that, that is stressful. When we are exposed to that over time, it has the same effects on our neurological system. And, and so it you know, if that happens to be the case, it would make sense, why am I a perfectionist? Because I have learned that I get love when I do well, and I don't get love when I don't do well. And, and so this type of stuff could be ingrained in us at a very young age. And that's where it's so cool that we get to help people heal yeah. uh, from this. And, and what we, what we hold on to, because what, what has happened at some point in time, if this is, you know, whether it's you or other people that can relate to this, is we start to hold on so tightly to the idea that if I fail, I am unlovable. Like that's an assumption that we are carrying. Yeah. But is it true? No, I hope no. not. <laughs> right. Everybody is lovable. Right. And, and so right. we've just got to loosen our grip on that assumption. And how we do that is to your point is we've got to test it out. And we don't yeah. do it with a big grand test, right? And a big failure. We do it with a small failure. Did that matter? No. Okay. Now let me try a yep. little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. And what we're doing is we're expanding our window of tolerance in that space. And, and that's where the healing, that's evidence of healing. That's where vertical development lies. And of course, when I work with organizations, I don't come in and say, I'm going to help your leaders with all their trauma, but that's all I know what's going on. Right. We don't always tell their... people what we're doing. Yeah. Well, I love it. And I assume, you know, going back to kind of the, the um, issues that relate to the negative mindsets, right? Looking good, being right, avoiding problems and getting ahead. All of those things could have developed in people early on. It reminds yep. me a lot of the work that comes from the Enneagram, if you're familiar with that, and kind of the coping mechanisms and the things that we've attached to early on. And I love the the connected of all uh, connectedness of all of this, right? It's just this idea of of growth is growth, and us being on this journey of becoming mature, healthy, healed versions of ourselves, and that's when we get to offer our best to the world. And so, um, 
I love that you are another player in this field, that you are doing good work with your clients. Um, is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you think would be important for our listeners in terms of what to understand or some actionable things they can do? Um, you know, your book is obviously a great resource, so we'll link to that. Anything yeah. else you want to share before we wrap up? Um, well, I think if, if any of you, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, this is absolutely crazy. We're connecting <laughs> trauma to effectively leadership and effectiveness, right? It, it, honestly, if I would have been listening to this podcast three years ago, I would have been like, oh man, this is such a stretch. Holy cow. <laughs> um, and I, so I understand, I understand that. And I, I, what I would invite somebody to do is just not to run from it, but to sit with it. And if I was to give, I mentioned the body keeps the score, but I would, I, I'm not sure that's where I would start if these ideas around trauma are new. Um, I think what I'll recommend is maybe another book. It's this one here. It's called What Happened to You. It's by Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey. It just recently came out. And I think it's the most approachable book on trauma that I've read. Um, and they actually do a really fantastic job with it. There's some really moving examples uh, in, in there. And I think that's that's the place that I would start. Um, so I think that that's, hopefully that's helpful. Uh, to folks. I think other than that, I mean, we could talk all day long about it, but I think we've covered um, the basics. And I, I just, uh, again, love the idea that when we're focusing on vertical development, we're really helping people to heal. And, and that, that is really deep, that is meaningful, and that's really what our world needs. We don't need people, well, maybe we do need people, but we are primarily focused on tooling up people. And I think uh, we need more focus on leveling up. Now, both of them are important. I just think the ratio isn't right. Um, yeah. and, and so I think, um, so I appreciate you, Sarah, and kind of uh, being a leader in the space of helping others to understand that we can level up and, and there are methodologies to do so. And when we do so, we become the better version of ourselves. Yeah. And to go back to something you said at the very beginning, that the emphasis can't just be on what we do, right? We need to pay attention to what we do, but we need to spend yep. time also on, on the being, right? We are human beings, not human doings. And, yeah. and that leadership development needs to find a balance um, to include some, if, some level of greater focus on that. So Ryan, we've got all the links. We're going to kind of post those on how people get in touch with you. You've mentioned your website, which has the great mindset assessment and a white paper that you wrote that I love on vertical development, links to your blog, a bunch of other great resources. Um, so we'll put all that out there for our listeners. But then, you know, just the question I like to ask, what's going on in your world that you're excited about? What can people um, cheer you on for? Tell me what's well, happening over in your world. Yeah, I am. So I'm, if you can't tell, I'm writing a book on all of this. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm almost done with the first draft. As soon as I get oh. done with the first draft, we'll set a publication date. So it's probably going to be next summer, but it's a book about vertical development. The first half of the book is all about what it is. What are the different levels of vertical development? And I use the language mind 1.0, 2.0, and 3.0, help people understand where am I at in my altitude journey and how can I, um, 
elevate from wherever yeah. I'm at. And then the whole second part of the book is how you do that. We bring in the concepts of trauma and the bottom up processes, um, and then also top down processes in order to make that happen. And, and so that people feel really empowered that they can elevate and or level up however we want to talk about it. So that's that what I'm super really excited about. Yeah. yeah, make sure to let us know when that's coming out and we will we will promote your book for you too because that sounds awesome. like a great resource. Thank you. Well, Ryan, it was great to have you. Thank you for giving of your time and your expertise and we will hopefully stay in touch with you in the future. That'd be great. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Take care. All right, folks. Um, I hope you're digging on and appreciate what I'm about to say, but I told you so. I mean, that what a, <laughs> what a fun interview that was. And, and, and again, Sarah, you and I are so deeply ingrained in this world. Can we actually step away from it and take a perspective? I don't know, but don't I'm dying for a whole bunch. I'm dying for a whole bunch of people I know to listen to this thing. And, and so I'm excited about its launch here today. Yeah, um, so I have been anxiously awaiting this conversation because I recorded my conversation with Ryan, I think four days ago, and you and uh -huh. I have not had a chance to talk about it. So here we are live debriefing this. And as somebody who has been ingrained in this for what, 20, 30 years of your life, having studied it and researched it and built around it, what, what stood out to you most from Ryan's kind of fresh take and different insights on how people grow vertically. Yeah, um, so a couple of things, I'll maybe just pick them off one at a time and let you sort of jump back in uh, as, or, 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 to, or to say what was most meaningful to you. Um, we have used the vocabulary that vertical development is about this, these kind of successive predictable lenses that are about how you make sense of yourself, the world and others. Right. I, I love Ryan's definition of vertical development as making meaning in cognitive and emotionally sophisticated ways. And then when he talks about making meaning is about the way that we make sense of the world that we're in. Right. And, and, yeah. um, but I love the idea that he has integrated the cognitive and the emotional. And then this wound up playing its way out through so much of you all's conversation in terms of what does he mean by that? And the whole idea of the kind of um, uh, the, the, the limbic brain versus the frontal, um, how did he say it? The, the, the reptilian, the mammalian and human. Yeah. And, and again, bringing in some of the more neuroscience into his understanding of this and his expansion of, and his building on. And I thought it was um, absolutely brilliant. So that was, one of the things that I loved right out of the gates. Um, the other thing, and Carl actually talked about this um, because he heard somebody else talk about this. Um, but this idea of, of operating systems. Um, but, but I have to tell you, and it's funny to be an old fogey in a new way, <laughs> um, but, but when we thought operating systems, we were thinking like, uh, like Microsoft windows versus whatever the next version of windows was, right. This idea of your iPad, the apps, 
and apps that are, uh, are, are compatible with the operating system, it's like, I don't want to talk about lateral and vertical development in the same way that we have anymore. I want to I want to get his permission because I think it is such a better connecting point. And so my total hope in the midst of the geekiness is that our audience would have just had. I oh, my gosh, now I get it kind of moment because your interaction with him around conflict resolution but but the way he even recast it and f- responded to your question, I just think it's so much more a now way to say what's true, right? And so um, I was really excited about that. So for you, what jumped out? What jumped out for you? Did I just I mean, steal I think, your main things? No, you're good. Um, and I did go back and find the blog post I wrote in 2013 and sent it to him, and I said. I don't think you actually copied this, but here was my take on it eight years ago. Right, because only 42 people read that blog post, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) It was brilliant. Um, But I think the introduction of this idea of how trauma plays into vertical development was new to me. And when I first heard him talk about it a couple of weeks ago, I thought, oh, wow, we're getting real psychological. Like, is this a door I want to open? And the more I heard him talk about it, the more it made sense. And you and I can can look at this not only in our own lives, and, and he did a little kind of pseudo assessment on me. And I do have to say that my parents are not the source of my perfectionistic tendencies. So to let my mom off the hook. Um, you get that, Mrs. Curtis? Did you get that? <laughs> you are not the source. <laughs> but, um, you know, the people that you and I have met and who have worked with who are more stunted in their development, who are more yeah. delayed than kind of the, the average people of their age, it is, it is not uncommon at all that we look at their lives and, and they have some sort of trauma that has put them in a more self-preservation, self-protective approach to life. And, and I, it's true at the big extremes, like when we meet a 50, 60 year old, who's stuck in, in level two or in Ryan's mind 1.0, where it is all about me and, and how do I look out for myself? There's usually significant, as Ryan says, big T trauma. Um, but even when we look at our own lives and say, what are the things that are holding me back? What assumptions am I holding onto? Tracing those back and saying, I wonder what messages I learned early on that formed that assumption that this is what I have to do to be loved, accepted, secure, all those things. And then I love that without using our language, he talked about this idea of taking small steps to how do I do something to test? Is that assumption really true? Am I going to be hurt? Is my fear going to come true if I just try a small failure, a small risk? And And I just, uh, the way that he talked about that is expanding our tolerance and that is what leads to healing and that leads to growth. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm all about helping people heal and grow and let go of those assumptions. So I just love the integration of that stream of research into vertical development and growth. Yeah. And you know what? Thank you for um, getting him to define that so well. Um, That was another piece that that really hit me uh, about um kind of the dis, dis 
disassociation, dissociation. How do you say that word? Dissociation or disintegration. Um, uh, And I could, especially thinking back to my 20s and maybe even my 30s, um, you know, so often you and I have talked about this as blame. Um, right, this idea of disconnecting it from something that's happening to me instead of something that's happening in me. Mm-hmm. And the little, you, you push that now all the way back to the childhood, I don't even remember that well. But I can remember things in my childhood. And I grew up with, I think, two, I, I think I grew up in an amazingly healthy household. But I know as a little kid, I'm responding to my dad's critique of something I built or, or, you know, which I'm sure from his perspective was kind of a wanting to help me keep getting better at stuff. Right. It's not, it was never a negative sort of deal, but, and, um, and and I love that you brought it in. I'm glad that the conversation didn't go too far down that road, but I think this is the most powerful thing about the Enneagram in terms of what it does unique from so many other Jungian personality measures that we talk about. And we talked about that a few episodes ago, but this integration of the ways in which we dissociate um, may actually be, you know, sort of a narrow band of responses. I mean, the Enneagram would say there's nine basic types, but then they divide each type up into three subtypes. So (laughs) Let's say there's only 27 different ways that we can kind of respond to these little micro traumas in our life. But when we start to get our arms around that, I think it gives people a different sense of how they can take responsibility for what's happening in them and not blaming what's happening to them. Because you and I both know that that's another version of, of, of arresting development or, or restraining or growth in some way. So, yeah, I love that. I love that whole section of the interview. Anything else that you wanted to comment on before we wrap up? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it makes me want to go read the Brene Brown chapter that he talked about Mm -hmm. that had such a big impact on him. I hope we get to have more conversations with him in the future. Um, I I think there's a, a lot of things in there and i'm just i mean i'm was again one of the surprises of 2021 for me was kind of getting to sit down and listen to that thing oh um, awesome so well, i'm so, so gl- glad that he agreed and i got to introduce him to you soon you need to actually yeah. meet him <laughs> yeah i mean i'd love that so sarah i think the one thing if i think about our audience um, in the middle of this that I'm, I might want to say before we end is that um, leader levels, as we've talked about them, are arbitrary numbers. They could have been names. They could have been hieroglyphic symbols, right? It, do, it doesn't matter. It was just, mm. it was something we threw on it to, to help people make sense of a dynamic that's happening in us. Um, when you listen to, you know, uh, 
Robert Keegan or some of the early constructive developmental theorists, some of them name stages, some of them number stages, some of them have different ways of approaching it. But but again, I think that don't don't get caught up in the vocabulary. The vocabulary get caught up in it to the, the degree that it's useful for you to understand what's going on inside of you so that you can keep growing as a grown up. Right. Because that's there, there's 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 no end. There's no end to that. And I could keep going, but it's going to make this episode too long. Right. I mean, the, the, I, I, so I so I won't go there. Maybe we'll debrief this as a part of another podcast at some point in the future. But that's that's all from me. That's awesome. And I'm glad that you made that point about the language and the labels are just labels. They're not the thing. Right. And, and we've got several more episodes coming up where we get to keep geeking out on this topic. And then hopefully at the end, um, we'll kind of do a big overview where we tie pieces together for our listeners. So with that, we will sign off and we will see you all in the next episode of Growing as Grownups. Grow well, y'all. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Growing as Grownups. Take a second and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and tell your friends. You'll find all of the goods related to this episode, including the transcript, videos, links, and other ways we can help you keep growing as a grown-up on our website, growinggrownups.com. Growth isn't easy, but it's completely within your reach. Until next time, journey well, friends.